This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. gigantic can of angry orchard crisp apple and some water because it's directly following work and so i should probably behave like an adult okay <laughs> Vanessa, what do you have i am just um drinking some double milk oolong i needed a little bit of a caffeine boost so no no alcohol for today but that's okay oh that's disappointing anyway stephanie what are you drinking uh, I grabbed a massive bottle of Arbor uh, Mist. It's a white Zinfandel with exotic fruits. I do not plan to drink the whole thing tonight. Little tonight, little tomorrow. Fine. <laughs> Those are really have fun. Ruiner of things. Fine. No, just kidding. We'll see. We'll see how it goes, and you yeah. drink all that tonight. I've, okay. I've uh, done a large portion of these myself uh, before, but it's been years. The bottles or podcasts? <laughs> no. <laughs> the bottles. This is my first podcast. Really? Well, welcome. Welcome. What a good podcast to start with. One where you can drink and say ridiculous things and nobody cares because you're drinking. Well, you know, when I first heard about it, it was actually at Pensacon. Somebody came by who was talking about it and I said, oh, drinking with authors. I can handle that one. (laughs) Me too. I, hey, I loved hanging out with authors and drinking and now I make a show of it. Don't, don't, don't. What you, what you love and make it your job. So Yes, yes, and yes, yes. (laughs) So, Stephanie, for those fans out there that um, haven't read you before, what kind of stuff do you write? Tell us about your writing. Uh, Well, over the years, I've written a little bit of a lot of different things. But as far as getting started with publishing, the first thing I decided to do was a fantasy series. And it it's called the Ryan Dory Realms. The first book came out uh, last year. That's Realm of Secrets. And then the second book, Realm of Madness, just came out two weeks ago today. Ooh. And yeah. And so it's got a young woman named Asel, and she's kind of, you know, doing spy-like tough stuff in the beginning. You don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And she ends up waiting for her next contact in a small town, gets delayed, and makes friends with a pregnant woman. And then also starts a little romance with the regional commander, then all of a sudden pregnancy is outlawed and the guy she started an affair with arrests the new friend she's made. And so she's got to decide what she wants to do. So that's oh, book wow. one. And then each book is going to be a standalone adventure following the same characters, but just having a new story. So ideally people will be able to pick up any book in the series and just jump right in. Oh, so, very cool. That's what I'm working on now. That's got four books planned. And then I don't know what I'm going to do after that with it. I, I'm still open to doing stuff. It's just I don't have actual storylines cemented yet. So, but I okay. also do okay. uh, paranormal romance. Oh, so. what paranormal romance do you write? Uh, mostly vampires and werewolves at this point. Ooh. I've kind of dabbled in some other stuff, but not enough to do a full story yet. Just a little scene here, scene there. So. Very cool. Uh, yeah. So I figured have- I have three books in this series, then I'll maybe start side series Got as it. the two are going on 
So I, I feel like you sound like a planner, like you plan your series out. Are you like a, a serious outliner or? Not really. When I first started, I just, I was total pantser. I was just writing things all out of whack and just getting like 12 scenes going, okay, how do they fit together? And mm -hmm. then I figure it out. But as I go on, I do find myself planning a little bit more. And so like this next book, book three, I've got about three quarters of it sort of outlined, but it's all kind of a loose outline. As I get in there, I'll totally change things up. So I'd say I'm more of like a planter, but each book gets a little bit closer and closer to planning. So. <laughs> she's closer yeah. to a plotter. She's following the plotting like yeah. art. Well, and I think I'm in the middle, but I'm leaning towards planning. I think with fantasy books, we were just discussing this last night. I think fantasy books really lend itself to plotting. Mm -hmm. You have to because it, it's realms and right. you don't nod your head, Vanessa. You overdo this like dramatically. But, <laughs> and we talked about that. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think it does lend itself because especially when you have magic and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you you have to keep track of it. You know, otherwise yes. you can completely forget that magic works one way and then you say it differently and then your fans read the book and then they come to you at your table at the con exactly. and go, what the hell is this? And <laughs> I've caught myself doing that, especially when I was writing book two, I, I'd start to do something I'd think, wait a minute, no, I let me go back and read book one. Okay, no, I totally did a different way. I have to stick to it. And so, yeah, you have to plan out a certain amount, especially if you're going to do a series because I like to plant little seeds in earlier books for things that are happening. So I, in book four, I've got something specific happening that I've already planted a seed for in book one and book two, and yeah. each seed is growing. And I love doing that. I love reading that in other books. So I love doing it in my own. So do you, what, what's like a book series you feel has done that very well? Like actually seeding stuff, because I'm very similar yeah. in my plotting. So I'm just curious, it, what, what would you recommend that's similar? There are so many out there. Um, I think the most recent one I've read is a series called The Noble Dead by mm -hmm. Barb and J.C. Hendy. They had a lot of that where they'd have certain things in earlier books that you'd see come to fruition in later ones. Mm -hmm. And I love that. So that's the first one that pops into my head. Nice. And do yeah. you feel like world is more of like when you start a series? Do you, is it the world that kind of pops into your head first or is it more of the character or maybe a mixture of both or does it change from project to project? It's usually something about the story. Um, like in this one, I had an idea of, you know, what would happen if this and this happened? And then as I did that, then the kind of characters grew up from there and I got a really good idea of what my characters would be and do. And then the world kind of filled in last, to be honest. So mm -hmm. For me, it's the story and the characters first. And I, I love characters. I love working with them the most, probably. That's very cool. Okay, so those are your books. When did you actually go, I want to be a writer, though? Like, when was that moment that you're like, I'm actually going to write a book? That was probably in my 20s. I was always sort of telling myself stories as I was growing up, you know, using them to, like, help put myself to sleep at night, things like that. I'd take this TV show I watched that night and kind of rewrite it in my head to insert myself into the story, things like that. But I never actually started writing until I was in my 20s. I did other artistic stuff, whether it was crafting or drawing and painting, things like that. And then in my 20s, I thought, you know, I need to write some of these things down before I forget them. 
And so I started doing that. And next thing I knew, I'd start writing a book. You know, I didn't really intend to. It just sort of started going that way. Was it a, like, uh, after, like your very first time writing down anything, do you feel like you actually finished that project or how long did it take for you to actually finish it and be like, you know what, this is going to work. I think I can do this. I'm going to put this out into the world. That actually, the very first book that I wrote, it took me about two years to finish. It was like 220,000 words. It was massive. Mm -hmm. It should have been two books. Um, and of course I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. So I was trying to contact agents and everything. Nobody wanted it because it was horribly written at the time. I didn't really know how to write them and I didn't know what the problems were. Um, cause this was back in like 99. So mm-hmm. in, like you know, over 20 years ago. And, um, so I finally realized, okay, you know, that's not as good as I think it is. Just check it aside and keep going. And I saw, so I wrote other books and things like that. And then finally started publishing a couple years ago and, or last year. And, um, but book three that I'm getting ready to write in this series, I'm actually taking that very first book and using it as the backstory. I'm taking that that race of characters that I created and things like that. And I'm just using that as sort of the background for this other realm that I'm gonna have in the third book. So right. it didn't it didn't get uh, tossed completely. It's still gonna have some life, just not in any form that, you know, resembles at the moment. See, I love to hear that because I have a, uh, my very first attempt. It's stored away in a, in a drive yeah. somewhere. And like, I, I, I hope to one day dust it off and give it new yeah. life. But I definitely knew that I had to step away because it was like, it was a book that taught me how to write. And, yeah. and it was like one of those situations where it was like super broken, where I couldn't really at the time with what I knew to finish right. it. That's so. kind of the way this one was for me. You know, I've learned so much since then, and it would just be a massive endeavor to redo it. So I thought, well, you know what? It's a water-breathing race. I have a fantasy realm. They'd fit right in. I'm just going to throw them on the other side of the continent, and there you go. <laughs> so. Well, and you know what's interesting is I think that a lot of people, we've heard some really interesting stories on this podcast about the first books. So I I will say to people, do not cling to that first book, like do not hold it for dear life, because that first book has a high percentage chance of being complete garbage. But if you love the idea and you love the concept, do not rewrite that book. Just take the concepts that you loved about it and write a new book. Like that's what I recommend. Like do it that way. Because if you love the race, if you love the characters, if you love the setting, whatever what that you you still have that passion for, take mm-hmm. it and start a whole new project. But don't yeah. flip through the pages of that book at all. Like just right. let let it go into the graveyard, bury it, put it under the tombstone. You can still have the idea of it, but do not. Yeah. It's like it's like getting a new dog if you have a dog that passes away. I, I always say your old dog. Get a new dog. I feel like it's a good, the only, like the purpose it served was to teach you. And then if you give yourself a couple of years and come back, it's just a great way to be like, oh my God, I've grown so much from that part. You know, it's just a, it should be kept as a reminder of what you've accomplished, you know, throughout the years. Cause you know, with being writers, it's like super hard to like see our progression sometimes you know especially yeah. when you know you're you're it, it takes sometimes a long time for projects to be completed so I think sometimes right. it's a good reminder to kind of look back at older projects especially that first one and really see where you've grown to give yourself that you know pat on the back to say hey it's okay yeah. it's taking a long time but I'm gonna get there you know yeah 
Agreed. Okay, so you started writing in your 20s. When is this first book the first book you actually published? Uh, well, the Realm of, uh, Realm of Secrets is the first one that I actually published last June, and then uh, Realm of Madness two weeks ago. But that one that we were talking about that I did first, it, that has never been published. That's strictly going to be background material. Oh, very cool. So did you self-publish? Yes. Yeah, I, I was going to do traditional, but the more I started investigating the two, I started seeing, you know, all the I guess, loss of control and things like that with the traditional and both of them, you got to do your own marketing anyway, which was my big, you know, fear was the marketing. So I thought, you know what, why am I going to go through all that trouble and, and take, you know, 18 months, two years, whatever it is to get it out there when I can just sort of do it all myself. And so I ended up deciding to go the self-publishing route. Uh, I would like to pursue some traditional publishing, you know, maybe with my next series with one of the paranormal romance and kind of become a hybrid, but at at this point, I kind of enjoy the self-publishing. I just have more control over it. No, and I agree. I mean, we, we you know, we talked about on the show, we started a publishing house, but we started a publishing house. And that's one of the reasons we started a publishing house is because authors were losing too much control. You'd get a book yeah. back and they're like, we love this. Okay, change the lead character from a male, to, you know, a female to right. a male take yeah. this race out completely like we love it but we're going to literally change your entire design yeah and rewrite and that your i did not want to do so yeah and I, I think it's disheartening because when you have an idea not that you don't need help sometimes with your most brilliant idea when you're alone in your cocoon room and you think you're the smartest person in the entire room and you're like i'm great and somebody else <laughs> is like yeah, so was this story about ghosts? Because if yes, you can't see it. And then you go, okay, let me let me let me add some stuff to it. But yeah. I think when it's you take your idea and they completely want to change your idea, that's yeah. that's something different than helping you to communicate your idea better. Right. Yeah. So um how come you how come this is your first full-time foray into this out of curiosity life get in the way to why did it take me so long yes <laughs> well i actually, like i wrote a book when i was 20 i actually wrote four of them uh, over the first 10 years but i just i don't know none of them really felt like the one and then let yeah life got you know busy i you know ended up like getting divorced and then going back to college and finishing my degree and getting an english degree and things like that and then you know all just all those things kind of kept me distracted and then there was, a, there was an idea that I had way back from the movie Willow from 1986, oh. I think. That was the spark of this series. And for like 30 years, I was just thinking, what would happen if this and this, you know, happened this way? And then all of a sudden, one day, it just sort of clicked. Oh, I know how that would work. And I just started writing and I just didn't stop writing. And then that ended up being the first book. And I thought, you know, this is the one. This is the one I feel the strongest about, the story, my writing is gotten so much better my storytelling has gotten so much better it's time and so I just did now did you no. ever have anyone ever read the other books or is this like that book was this one that the one that you actually published was that ended up being the very first book you actually let other people read no that first one uh I did let it was about three different people I let them read it and of course they all said oh yes it's great but they were family you know and then there was another one that I did it was a it was a paranormal romance that I let a couple people read and they went, yeah, it's pretty good. But you know, if you've done this, 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 and this, 
it would be better. And I thought, okay, but then that, if I do those things, it's going to completely change it. And it's no longer going to be a romance. It's going to be like a suspense. And I thought, yeah, I don't know about that. So I kind of didn't let people read it, anything else after that for a while until this book. And I thought, you know, this is the one. And so that's when I went out and I found people to critique it and beta read it and really just put it through the ringer and make sure that it was as, as good as it possibly could be. So and, and how did how did you find that? Because I know a lot of people typically have a really hard time because that is usually the common problem. You give it to the first people, you know, you think of, oh, it's gonna be my friends and my family. Yeah. But sometimes either A, they don't want to hurt your feelings or B, they don't know how to articulate what's yeah. wrong with it and in a way that is meaningful for you to take and digest it and put into action. You know, um, yeah. they may say, oh, something doesn't feel right, but then they can't really point, is it a character, is there a missing plot point? So where, like, how did you like evolve from finding, it seems like you found other people that could actually yeah. really give you those critiques. I actually, I had um, gone through NaNoWriMo one year and of course they give you all the coupons at the end for doing mm -hmm. stuff. And I was kind of looking through there and there's one for Scribophile. And that's where I ended up going. And I have been on there for like two and a half years now. And it's where it's basically labor trade. You go and critique people's stuff and earn karma points so that you can post your stuff, get people to critique yours. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, you start to develop relationships with certain people. And so now I'm at a point where I have a set group of people. So whenever I have something, I just post it up there and they'll all go and critique it. And then when they post something, I'll go critique theirs. And so I've developed a lot of you know, writerly relationships through there. And I've got just so many people catching so many different things. You know, this one will catch, you know, overusage of words. This one will catch, you know, you know, not enough you know, inner dialogue, things like that. And I've, I've learned so much about writing and storytelling from there, as well as getting my books critiqued. So I can't say enough about that site. <laughs> and I'm sorry, what was the website? Because I didn't hear it. It's called Scribophile. Scribophile. That's awesome. Yeah, they have a free account um, where you can, you know, post a couple things, things like that. But then they have a paid version, which uh, you can do unlimited stuff. And for me, it's worth it to do that. But also you get a coupon at NaNoWriMo. So. And that's coming up for those listening. NaNoWriMo. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Okay. We have to take a quick break and we will be right back with drinking seconds. This is the voice of Drinking With Authors. You are at our commercial break, and our commercial is, hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? Or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show? Or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of? That would have to stump us. But you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Because you, we met you, we found you at a convention. That sounds mm -hmm. like we were hunting and on a treasure hunt of some kind yeah. in a dungeon, and we found you like on. Anyway, but well, I hope I, hope I uh, earned my value there. Yes, I was going to say quite a treasure. But we we found you at a convention. When did you start doing conventions with your book? What made you decide that, to go that route? That was the first one. It was Pensacon of twenty one, and I have been going to conventions just as an attendee for mm -hmm. years. I've loved them and I've loved going to the panels and I've loved 
finding new authors and, and buying their books. And I thought, you know what, if I love doing these so much, maybe I should try it from, you know, the other side of the table. So I decided to do it. But of course, in the pandemic year, they're all shut down. Mm -hmm. um, but I have, I used to live in Pensacola, actually. So I still have a lot of family and friends there. So I thought, well, that would be a good one because, you know, I got a place to stay, people to see in my downtime. And if I totally screw it up, I never have to go back there again. <laughs> that was sort of my test convention. And I went and it was, it was a great time. I loved it. And I learned a lot from, you know, people, you know, from you guys to the guy who was next to me, he was real helpful and just, you know, seeing it all firsthand. And then, so now I'm actually getting ready to do my second one. It was a, no, like November 5th through the 7th, I think it is. And that one's, you know, here locally where I live, um, that's Conjuration. So looking forward to doing it again. That's exciting. What was it like meeting? Did anybody come up who had already read the book? Not who had already read it, no. But one thing um, I did is I printed out the first five chapters and was just handing them out for free. Just anybody who wanted to come by, if they saw it, they said, hey, what's this? I was like, here, just take it. It's free. Or if they'd ask, you know, about it, but they, they were kind of on the fence. So, well, here's the first five chapters. Go read it if you like it. You know, here's a little thing where you can find it online. And I had about a half dozen people come back and say, you know what? I read the first five chapters here at the convention. And now I want the book. I got to know what happens. That's so awesome. that was nice to hear. You know, that is very oh, clever. Yeah, there was one guy, uh, or a couple rather, who had bought it while I was off doing a panel. And then they were going to come back and get it signed. And by the time they came back, it'd been about two, maybe three hours since they had bought it. And uh, the wife had already read like the first 150 pages of the book. Apparently wow. they went to a panel that she wasn't interested in. So she was just breezing through the book. But you read 150 pages already? That's so awesome. That made me feel good too. A compliment to say that, hey, you really had a, a, a page turner, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. It also tells you the ferocity to which people will read and yes. consume books. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why it's in. Why I always say it's important to write, 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 because your fan base will be hungry for it. Mm -hmm. Well, somebody had recently told me, actually, I think it was at a panel at, at DragonCon, which I went to uh, last month or so. They were saying that, of course, people are binge watching TV these days and they're binge reading. So they want that series that's got, you know, three, four, five, ten books in it. So they can just keep going. They never have to stop, you know, so. And it's, what's interesting is we find um, one of our, uh, two of our authors were actually supposed to be up there, but one of them was able to make it, which was Valerie Willis. I and, actually, um, I stopped in and said hello to her because I remembered her from Pensacon. Yes. So Valerie was up there. And that's one thing we always talk about is that we also run into people who don't want to buy the series unless it's completed. Yes. Like they want to know that it's done and they've got some are like, no, I never want this to end. And others are like, it's kind of like binge watching a TV show. Like, I'm not going to lie. The great American, no, the great British baking show came back on for season mm -hmm. nine on Netflix. Yeah. And I was so excited, but they're scheduling out the release of the shows. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, this oh. is bullshit. This is, yeah. where's my entire series? Like I, I there's need that whole thing. About binging. I'm like right now binging all of Lucifer and it's I and like part, yeah I'm like I'm at the part now where I'm like I'm so glad I can watch all of the seasons now because yeah. I, I can just go 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 you know and yeah. uh uh it, it it's it's hard when you have to like wait once a week for like a new episode or like 
a year nope. or two for a new book, you know, yes. uh, especially, uh, you know, I'm still waiting for that Game of Thrones book, George R. R. Martin. I'm ready. I need that He's last not listening. I can don't even bother. He's not listening. <laughs> I need that next book. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, there's something you're so right though. I mean, people are hungry for series. So the more you can produce it and get through it, I mean, that's that's huge for your fans. Oh yeah. That's very cool. Okay. So what do you find are your sort of Achilles heels while writing? Like where do you go? Oh shit, I'm in trouble here. Oh, I don't know that I have any one particular thing other than just like all these little tiny things. It's not like a one big massive problem, but it's just, I, I, don't, I don't know. There's a few words where I always end up typing them wrong, you know, things like that. But um, I will say in this one series though, that I'm writing, the main character um, is like I said, it's a young woman named Asel. But then there's also another major character here and a guy. And originally he was going to be the main character of the series. So oh. as I'm writing, I can jump into his scenes, no problem. And I'm just, I'm writing, you know, really fast and getting it done. And I really connect with him. But then when I get to her, for some reason, I can't connect to her. And I struggle with my main character scenes. And I, I yeah. haven't figured out why yet, but it's just, it seems kind of strange to me that the main character is the one I struggle with the most. I actually have the same problem. So uh, I, I, I agree. Yeah, like I've been having issues with my main character, though she has legitimate reasons to be the main character, the, the main POV, because of certain things that she has to deal with. But I also find that I think I, I think for me, and this is also the reason why I don't finish my novels, is I'm too much a perfectionist. And then I put so much like, uh, uh, pressure on that main character but then I somehow yeah. allow myself to let the other characters just do what they're supposed to do it within the narrative so I don't know I think it's for me it's because I put too much pressure on that character because I feel like if the reader can't connect with that character then the book's gonna be crap and yeah. then if I, you know <laughs> that's, that's problem. yeah that's my problem no yeah. I'll look at it differently like that when I get back to her scenes mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Vanessa, you should take a hint from that and yes. finish your book. I yes. know. <laughs> Let's so talk what is Vanessa right? about her book for a little bit, shall we? No, just kidding. No, no. <laughs> no well, now I'm curious what it is you're writing. Oh, oh no. I, well, I do high fantasy. And so, uh, as I say in all our podcast interviews, and Erica always gets on me, is that I put such an obsession on world building and writing a world book and planning all the books because I'm such yeah. like you where I want those seeds and I want those moments of discovery and I have this fear of you know uh where if I don't if I you know because once you finish a book you're stuck with whatever rules you yeah. are you put in place and my whole thing is like, what if I don't like what I did? And so it's it's a very like vicious cycle. So to the point where it's now stopping me from actually finishing, which is where, you know, it's always good to plan and to be thoughtful about what you write, but then there has to be that balance of you can't be obsessive. It's right. like, well, it's you have to get it done, you know? Yeah, well, that's also kind of why, I mean, I do a lot of the world building uh, in the beginning, but I also intentionally leave stuff blank. 
and I just sort of leave it open so that if I want to change something, I can, or, you know, things like that. You know, like I, I also drew all my own maps that go in the book. So I have a map of the realm that we're in, but then I have a map of the continent. And so there's parts of the continent we haven't gotten to yet. And I have an idea of what's going to happen, but not exactly. But I specifically put in certain little elements that I could play with down the road, you know, like yeah. the Tower of Windspear. I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do with it yet, but I put it in there and but left it free to develop as I see fit. And so I kind of do a combination of that. I'll play in the world, but then I leave it free for just whatever pops into my head later. Mm-hmm. So I don't get too tied in. No, Let I think go. I should try doing that. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> I know. Right. My, my world book is bigger than my first novel. So yeah. that's why I have to let it go. <laughs> yeah. You know, you. I'll tell you this. The worst thing one could do is just go over a manuscript, go over a manuscript. For, you know, when you publish a book and you go back to that book and you read that book, and I know a lot of authors that are like, you know, I do it because I am a pantser. So I go back and either listen to the audiobook or read the book to remember when I'm moving on, like certain elements, like it follows a couple characters. So what, what color did I say their hair was? Like stuff like that. But other than that, very loosey-goosey, one little leaflet sheet of paper on what did I <laughs> name these things? Um, but, you know, I couldn't go back to the first book I ever published, the first story, and I see things every single time and i'm like you know what i the first i got obsessive about like fixing stuff and i'm like we need to re-push this and we need to re-push this and then i went yeah fuck it i don't like because <laughs> yeah. you're not letting go the old work to go on to the new work like there's only so much you can do now obviously if you had somebody do a bad edit job on your book get it re-edited get it fixed get you know if they did oh, that yeah. but if they didn't do that, like, geez, let it go. Let it, let it completely be what it is because you'll always find that you're a better writer later after you've written more. It's kind of like when you're a runner, you know, I, I, when I, I used to do five Ks before I broke my leg, but um, one of the things that somebody told me when I was like, okay, how do I get better? Cause there's all these tools and there's these shoes and there's these energy drinks and there's all this other kind of bullshit you can do to and I was like, what do I need to be a better runner? And he was like, how about you just run? Eventually, you will get better at running when you just run. You just have to do it over and over and over again. And you'll get better at it 99% of the time. There are some people that just suck at it and will never get better and they're terrible. But, um, you know, if you keep at it and you learn from like if an editor says, hey, stop shrugging all the time. Okay, good, cool. Maybe make a note. Control find shrug and replace that in your manuscript before you hand it in, but move on from that. Yeah. All my people nod all the time. Mm-hmm. Everybody nods, every page. Yeah. We have authors that do that. There's there's also like grinding teeth. That's one thing I've seen authors do. Oh, he ground his teeth or he grimaced. Mm-hmm. One author I saw put grimaced. I like I feel like grimace should be about three times in a book max. This person grimaced like 50 times. I'm like, yeah. they're the most unfortunate person ever in the entire world that all they're doing is grimacing. Yeah, I have gotten to a point though when I'm working on my stuff where I will just do that find and replace type deal with 
nodding and shrugging and things like that. And I've, I've got my little list of words I overuse and I will go through all those and, and whatnot before I send it out. Yeah, I mean, we'll see that makes you a better author. And then they'll be like, okay, so stop using wherewithal. Okay, cool. That's yes. on the list now. Wherewithal. A word though. <laughs> Just fun to say. It's like a 50 cent word. Yeah. What were you going to say, Vanessa? No, I was going to say with the word list, have you found that that word list has changed? Because I always hear like Valerie in um, that you met, uh, she always talks about how her, um, her, she calls it her list of bad habits. Yeah. And she says her bad habits change every every book she writes or every yeah, series. They do. Yeah. So yes, have you I done those, as soon as I, you know, find out that, oh, hey, I'm overusing this word, I'll start paying attention to it. And then I sort of break that habit and I don't do it anymore. But as soon as I'm breaking that one, I'm starting a new one. And, you know, <laughs> everybody looked all over the place to now everybody gazes all over the place and I got to find new words to switch them out with and but yeah they, they change but as soon as I'm yeah fixing one another one's popping in so wow okay yeah. let's talk about reviews okay how are you with reviews my friend ah I need more reviews yeah that is one thing I've been working on is trying to find a good place for that I've tried a few now I've got you know, like some friends and things like that and they they're always ones I can count on but um I had tried Book Sprout, and that didn't get me a single one for either book, and so I'm not going to use them again. Um, but I just got onto Story Origin, and so I'm going to try and get some through there and things like that. So. Story Origin is pretty good. Do you have? Um, have you created a Facebook fan group for yourself? I did. It's just real small, though. Um, I'm working on building that up. I'm having more success over on Instagram than I am on Facebook, so we'll we'll see. Hmm. Or have you cross-pollinated with other authors that write in similar genres to do takeovers? Not yet, because the people that I'm usually doing stuff with are writing in different genres. The ones who are writing in my genre that I have good relationships with have not posted anything yet, so, or have not published anything yet. So I'm still waiting on that. They're out there. You need they to start searching. They're out there. Yes. When you go to the con, find them, and then... <laughs> Because Absolutely. those are the ones that have books. You're at conventions with those that have books yeah. in the genre you're in, you know? Yeah. And then cross-pollinate. It's all about cross, because then you guys can share fans. Plus, it helps you because when you're writing your next book, other people may have stuff coming out. So you guys can create a machine that's feeding right. sort of your fan base so that they remember yeah. you exist. Because there, there is one couple that I know that it's going to be at this convention um, that I'm going to because I've seen him there for years and I used to work with him at a newspaper. And so I'm going to approach them on that and then, you know, try and meet some of the other authors and I'm going to try and do exactly that. Kind of, you know, get our own little thing going. I think that's fantastic. I love that you give away the chapters. I think that's a great thing for new people at convention booths. That, and you seem very sociable. And one thing is if you're going to go do a convention booth, you have to talk to people that yeah. walk past your booth. I watch authors all the time and they don't talk to anybody. Like yeah, I have I a standard that. line. If somebody even looks in the direction of our booth, I'm like, hey, do you like to read? Like I will be loud as fuck all the way across. Yeah. They could be 20 feet away from me. If they look at me, eye contact, you're walking yeah. over to my booth. It's actually pretty amazing to watch because like I'm very much can be an extrovert, but then I have these weird moments and I don't know why. 
that especially sometimes when I'm in the presence of Erica at a con where I become like an introvert and I've somehow forgotten how to speak and she'll and, and huh. the thing is she'll say oh do you like to read and as a person that in general I'm like oh I don't think they're gonna buy anything and by the time they left the table they've bought like five books and then I think sometimes yeah. we really undersell ourselves and the value we have to bring and assuming that someone's not going to want to read our books or if you're like, you know, champion someone else's and, and we got to like get ourselves out of there and just say, put it out there and let them to decide if they're going to read it or not. And more times than not, you'll, you'll surprise yourself when they buy your book and they're like, oh my God, I'm so excited, you know? Well, and especially if you're like, I'm the author. That's one thing I don't know why people at cons don't realize. Unless you have a big picture next to you with your, you know, your picture on it in your book that says you're the author, you're sitting at a table. They don't realize you're the author at the table. I'm like, right. How you could just be somebody working for the author for all they know. Yeah. In their mind, they do that. And I'm like, guys, 90% of the time at cons, the person sitting behind those books is the author of those books. And the moment you go, would you, I'd love to sign a book for you. They all of a sudden they're like, oh, a signed book. Oh my gosh. The value has just increased of this book. Oh, people get super excited. The moment that you're saying, oh, the author's here. I can get it signed and personalized and all that. I mean, Let's take a picture and then I'll post it on social media. Oh yeah, it's 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 tremendous, you know. And sometimes people are are kind of timid to come up to the table. So I think if you make yourself super open and to people, they'll be more receptive to come by the table. Because if you're not looking excited, how are they going to be excited when they come to your table? You know. And uh, so yeah. I, and I remember your table being super impressive. So, you know, I, you don't have to tell you how to, how to sell the books. Well, you <laughs> know, I'll have two books. That's exciting. What's interesting to me is at conventions, there's this like in the middle of the walkways is this like weird boundary situation where people are like, okay, if I go outside the middle of the walkway, yes. they may see me. It's like they treat it like it's Jurassic yeah. Park. Which if you read the book, the dinosaurs don't all react to movement. So especially the T-Rex, that's not how that works. I really hope dinosaurs don't invade because everybody's watched Jurassic Park and that's not the same as the book and that's not how they see. And yeah, so everybody will be like, it's a T-Rex if we just stand here, chomp. And I'm (laughs) talking about a cleansing of the gene pool. That that is a story in and of itself. Anybody writes about dinosaurs, just go with that. But there's this middle aisle that I watch people walk down at conventions and they'll look at stuff, but they think they're in like some bubble of protection down the middle of the aisle. So I always tell authors, call them out of this little bubble of protection they think they're in to come over and read your book. It's like that same thing you do when you go to the mall and you're trying not to stare at the kiosk because you're afraid they're going to try to sell you something. But I feel like in conventions it's so different than that like because you're with like-minded people we all geek out of some type of fandom so I feel you know I I always I'm always like it's it's weird that people still do that in that kind of setting versus you know I can understand it in a mall but not at a convention but Erica likes to startle them and it's great because then they'll start talking and be chatterboxes and then they'll come to the table and then you show them the whole everything that you got and then they'll They'll, they'll walk away with several of your books and you got a new fan. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. Okay. So 
let's talk about um, your marketing. So what did you do for marketing? Uh, well, of course, you know, Facebook and the Instagram, things like that. Um, I do uh, a lot of my own marketing images on BookBrush and uh, I did the, the book sprout for ARCs, things like that. Um, I did try uh, Facebook ads for the first book and got such a, a low rate of return. I thought I'm not going to get into all of that until you know, like my third book, which is I've always heard is like the magic number to where you really start putting money in towards your marketing, things like that. Um, and then I also did the same thing with Amazon ads. And again, didn't get much of a return. So I'm going to kind of hold off on that until book three, and then I'll get a little heavier into the marketing and the advertising. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. Do you have um, business cards you walk around with all the time? Yes. And I actually forgot them two weeks ago when I went to a convention. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I have those and, and of course handing those out as much as I can. And then everything I have on social media, even like my LinkedIn page, I've got author stuff. It's just all plastered all over there. But yeah, the, the business cards, I, I kind of went to a convention. It was next chapter con and realized, oh crap, I forgot all my business cards. And somebody was actually asking for one. It wasn't just me handing it out. Somebody specifically said, do you have a business card? And so I got to get wow. better on that. I, I give people crap all the time about the business cards. Authors out there have your business card with your social media on yeah. you all the time. I don't care where you're going. You could be at a gas station. Somebody starts talking to you unless they're super creepy. Give them a business card. Give out those business cards like you're in line for coffee. Oh, blah, blah, blah. What do you do? I'm an author. Here's my business. The moment you say I'm an author, pull out that card and hand it to them. Okay. Unless they give you a creepy weirdo vibe, then don't yeah. do that. <laughs> Yeah, I usually save it for, you know, conventions and things of that sort, but yeah, I probably do need to have them on me just as a regular thing. No, you should have them with you. I don't care if you're in your pajamas going to Walmart, have them on you. Like, okay. Because it's, it's literally when people talk to you and what do you, how many times do people say, what do you do or blah, blah, blah. And then I'm an author. Here's my card. Yeah. When people don't have their cards, I always, you can ask Vanessa, I'm like, when I meet authors and they're like, oh, blah, blah, I'm like, oh, do you have a card? And they say no. I get a very distinct look on my face. <laughs> and there's also like yeah. such a lost opportunity because you're making connections with other people, especially in a convention setting too, you know, you want to have that card on hand because what if you really make an important contact and then you write it on a piece of paper, like a random little sheet of paper, and then they lose it. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's super important. Yeah. I had someone actually do that with me at Pensacon. They, uh, we took a picture and they wanted me to tag them on Instagram for it. And instead of having a card, they wrote it down and I absolutely lost it. And I never could tag that guy in the photo and I hope he found it, but <laughs> yeah. So no. And that's, you know, never mm, business cards. See, now you're going to get off this podcast. You're going to be like, I'm just sticking them in my bra. I'm going to walk around <laughs> anywhere business card yeah, I've card. got them for my day job yeah those are with me all the time but it's the author ones that I don't always carry unless I'm going to things like that so yeah I, I need to just tuck them all together yeah see I carry around drinking with authors ones all the time so no matter where I am I'm like podcast drink this blah blah all the time it's it's pretty I, I can be offensive with shameless self-promotion when it comes down it's something that I'm striving for I yes. need to get better at that Strive to be as offensive as Erica is with shameless self-promotion. 
<laughs> you just should walk around with a t-shirt on that says i write what's your superpower and then the people oh you write here's my business card like that yeah. should be the uniform for all authors out there just well see that shirt yes i actually had a friend give me a pillow i don't know where the hell the pillow is right now but i have a pillow that says i write what's your superpower and i'm like i need to get this in a shirt and just walk around with it on yeah okay oh my gosh we actually are okay vanessa you got to ask a question then i'm going to ask the final one we're coming up on stuff here Gosh, what's with this late pressure of me having like almost the last question? Um, I, I've literally prepped you for this. And then every time you fail me, I don't know what's happening. Like, <laughs> um, no pressure, know, but you're failing me. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. Uh, so <laughs> do you feel like there's any other genres that you would like to kind of write in the future? That's not what you currently write now. Um, I had thought about more of a, uh, I guess, a mystery, something of that sort, because in all of my writing, I like to have a little bit of mystery. And so like book one, you don't really know what's going on. And then there's a twist ending. And in book two, you don't really know what's going on. And it's not necessarily a twist ending, but there are twists. Mm -hmm. And I love that sort of, you know, mystery aspect. So one day I might actually just want to write a straight up mystery. Don't know what it's going to be yet, but maybe along the lines of like an Agatha Christie type thing. Ooh, okay. That'd be fun. Cozy mystery. I like yeah. that. I would love to be able to write mysteries. I don't think I do enough of that sort of thing. I'm going to, I don't know. I don't know. My serial killer stories and stuff like that are kind of mysteries, but not cozy mysteries. Yeah. Warm and fuzzy mysteries. Did you just say Agatha Christie murder on the Orient yeah. Express and stuff? This, that's not a yeah, cozy like mystery those. is it well no no but she wrote i i mean i i'm horrible i i'm trying to think because i don't read enough mysteries i feel like i don't know much but uh just some of her books are considered cozy mysteries right i i they could be i'm not i don't read a some lot of the christie i'm gonna be I honest don't think with all you. of them but i feel like some might fall into that category we'll find one vanessa we'll find one that'll be a cozy mystery it'll be gorgeous okay <laughs> so um real quick your next book that uh, you just had a book come out um two weeks ago the name of it is realm of madness realm of madness awesome and the book three is going to come out hopefully uh within about six months. I'm just finishing up the outline. I've got a first couple of chapters written, so it's going to be a little while. That is going to be called The Drowned Realm. Okay. Well, welcome to the world of self-publishing when they're, that's the only thing about self-publishing is that little deadline. You can move that yeah. bad boy wherever the hell you want to move and it. That's actually another reason why I decided self-publishing is because I hate other people's deadlines. I stress out about them too much. So if I have the freedom, just go, okay, you know, lots going on, take a breath, push it back a couple of weeks or whatever. I have the freedom to do that because this last one, Realm of Madness, I had intended to come out at the end of August, but oh. then a lot of stuff going on. So I got to push it back a month. So oh, we'll wait till your fan base is the size it should be soon. And yes. they say, what, it doesn't matter if you're self-published, you don't have yeah. that journey. You tell them it's coming out. <laughs> They're yeah. going to be very mad when it doesn't come oh, out. Yeah. You but, you know, I'm, I'm working on writing faster too. So hopefully I, hopefully I won't have a problem with that. Very cool. Okay. What advice would you give authors out there, my friend? I think 
probably one of the biggest things that I learned is don't compare yourself to other writers. And that goes for the writing ability, but also, you know, your career, because I know there were times where, you know, I thought I was the greatest writer and then I see somebody else's writing and go, oh, but they're so much better than me. That means I must be horrible. And then that would make me suffer in my writing and my confidence. But, you know, over time I got better, I learned. And you never know where that person was in their writing. They could have, you know, been writing for 20 years, whereas you've only been writing for two years and they could have studied it extensively in college and things like that, whereas you're still starting but also in your career, because I have a writer friend who um, she and I self-published our first books in within just a couple months of each other. And I just released my second book and she's just released like her eighth book. And I'm sitting here thinking, how is she writing so much more than me? This is ridiculous. I should be writing more. But then I thought, okay, well, I have a full-time job. I have a son you know, and, and I'm writing, you know, these 108, 112,000 word books. She is in a situation where her job during the pandemic totally went away. So she has all this time and she needs, you know, the paycheck, whereas I've got a steady one coming in and she's writing romance novels that are coming in about, you know, 20, 30,000 words less than mine, but she's just got more time. She's got the, the need for the money. She's in a totally different place. So you can't compare your career to their career or your ability to their ability because you don't really know what their situation is everybody's got their own stuff that is great advice it's perfect advice and um how do people find you well i have a website stephaniebriarton.com and of course i'm on facebook and instagram and the links for those are all on the website uh, but it's just um it's just Stephanie Briarton, basically. And when if, if you go to any of the, it's going to be the only one because there's nobody else with that name, so which is great. Um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you have been so much fun to have on the podcast, my friend. Thank you. You guys have been fun to talk to. Awesome. And I'm so glad we got to be your first podcast. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to go find more. Yes. Yes. After this, she's like, I'm a pro. Okay. Pro, <laughs> but every it seems like every time I do something new within the writing world, it's so much fun. I want to do it again. So, yeah, awesome. It's a fun industry. Well, we're, we'll definitely have to have you back on when book three comes out. No pressure, but um, <laughs> no pressure at all. Tons of pressure. But this has been drinking with authors, guys. I've been your host, Erica Wamps. My co-host has been Vanessa Belly and Tay. Thank you very much. She's got. Eventually, guys, she'll get that question thing. We're going to go in the next episode. She's going to be on top of that, thinking of questions. Our oh, guest has been Stephanie Brockerton. <laughs> no pressure at all, Vanessa. Fantastic. We will see you guys next time.